On your chairs, there is um, some index cards. There should be two index cards on your chairs. And what I want you to do as we get started today, I want you to uh, take those index cards. And then there are some pencils, um, some golf pencils um, that are on your chairs as well. And this is what I want you to do. There are three questions I want you to answer today. On the first one, uh, you're going to write one answer on the front, one answer on the back. And then the third question, you're going to use the second card and uh, you're going to write it uh, on there. So this is the first question that uh, I want you to uh, answer and write on that first card, on the front of that card. And this is the question, what makes you unique? What makes you unique? And everybody has something unique. Now, you are not going to show anyone else this. So if it's like you've got like a mole in a funny place, then you can write that on there because no one else is going to see it, okay? And so what makes you unique? So if you want to write that on there, okay? And then on the back of that card, I want you to write what is on your mind today. So what is on your mind today? For the spiritual people upon us, you're probably writing Jesus. For the rest of us, we're probably thinking about what's going on this week. I'm settling on a new house tomorrow. How about that? Yeah. We sold our house last month, and we're still squatting in there. So I'm glad to get out of there. That's on my mind. What's on your mind today? Okay. And then on the second card, I want you to write, and this is maybe a little harder, and if you're newer here, then this may even be harder, or it may be easier for you. But on the second, on the second card, I want you to write, what is it that we do at Generation Church for which you do not understand why we do it? So what is it you're like, why do those guys do that? Okay, you guys all done? Yeah? Okay. So this is what I want you to do with those cards. That second one, and you can think through it, and maybe as an we do this service today, you'll be like, yeah, why do we do that? I want you to, once you finish writing, I want you to put that under your chair, and we're going to pick those up after the second ones. The first one, that is your personal card. And so for this series, we're going to reference that card. So I want you to put that in your Bible, put it in your purse, take a picture and put it on your phone. Uh, but we're going to be referring to some of those things throughout this series, throughout the next, say, month and a half that we're going to be doing this upside down series. And so I want you to, to keep hold of that. But as we begin this upside down series today, things for you may already seem a little different, Right. I heard one person come in, oh, I don't like change, right? And I'm not going to mention who that was, Rachel. And, uh, but when things are different, it causes three reactions, right? When you see things that are different, it causes three reactions. The first one is this. I don't like this. I feel uncomfortable. And maybe you walked in today and you feel, I don't like this. I feel uncomfortable. That's okay. Then there is a second group of people, and this is what they think. Wow, this is different, but you've got my attention. This is different, you've got my attention. And then there is another group of people who came in, was like, whoa, I love this. Let's never go back to how things were. And that's what happens with change. 
And normally, and my statistics may be a little off here, but about 25% of people refuse all change, and they don't like change at all. And so they said, I don't like this. I feel uncomfortable. Let's go back to how things were. And then the majority of people were like, mm, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable. It's different, but I'm okay. Let's carry on and see what's going to happen. I'm kind of open to it. I'm not going to embrace it, but I'm going to open myself to it. And then there are the progressives amongst us. And these are the people who want to change everything all the time. You are the people who want a different color paint on your walls every six months. You change your furniture in your living room like crazy. And you are the people that say, whoa, it's change. Let's never, ever go back to how it was before. And so there's probably a little bit of everybody in us today. But when things are different, we become suddenly become very aware of our surroundings. When we meet people who are different, we suddenly take a little bit more interest with them. You know those crazy people, sometimes you're at the airport and you look at them and they're a little different and you don't want to look at them, but you can't keep your eye off them. You know, some people call them Walmart people. I really, don't really like that phrase, but you know, they're a little different, but you can't keep your eye off them because they're different. And when people talk a different language around you, everybody gets paranoid, right? Like when my, my wife speaks Spanish and when she's with some of her friends and, or her family, she speaks Spanish. And it's funny, I'm used to it now, but when some of my friends come in, they're just like, whoa, is she talking about me? You know? Because we get a little paranoid, right? We become a little bit more unsure and insecure because of what they're saying. So in the year 2000, I got to go to India with my dad. My dad was a pastor for 40 years, and we got to, to go and, and, and preach to, and, and help start some new churches in some villages. Well, when we got there, we landed at the early hours in the morning in a city called Mumbai. Mumbai is like nothing you've ever seen before in your life. The culture is totally different. But there was something that was a little weird and disturbing for me because I kept walking around the city and we were there for one day before we were going to get on a train and uh, to a place called Guntar, Andhra Pradesh, which was a 16-hour train journey away. That's how far uh, big this country is. And as I'm walking around Mumbai, I'm suddenly noticing that there were a bunch of guys who were walking around with other guys holding their hand. It was like there was a bunch of guy couples everywhere just holding their hands. I'm like, wow, this is like different and weird. And then there were some that were, they were arm in arm with each other, the guys. You know, there was no guy holding a woman's hand or women holding their hands. It was just the guys holding each other's hands. I was like, this is a little strange. Not like England where I'd flown in from. Well, then we were at the train station, and we had been met by one of the pastors of the organization that we had come to, to work with. And uh, he, we were at the train station, and we, he was trying to figure out what platform our train was coming in at. So the group, our mission trip, there was like five of us. We were sitting in the middle of the train station, and uh, this guy called Sudia said to me, he says, I'm going to go and check what platform that the train is coming in. Now, Alex, why don't you come with me? I'm like, sure. So we're walking, and as we're walking through the train station, I can't see my, my father and the team that we're with anymore. Suddenly, I feel a man's hand touching my hand. Suddenly, I'm like, <gasps> what just happened? My hand started to sweat. My face, I'm sure, was like bright red. 
And I was as stiff as I could be like, what is going on? I'm walking around thinking, what is going to happen? I'm with a guy I don't know in a city that I don't know. I can get lost. I'm like, this is it for me. It's all over. So as we're walking around, I'm like, I just don't understand this. I'm like, please, can we just go back? Please, can we just go back? Suddenly, he finds a platform. I'm like, yes, thank you, Jesus. You know, and we go back and suddenly, let's go with my hands. And I walk off to my dad and I'm like, dad, you will not believe we got to get out of here. I'm like, he just held my hand. And my dad just laughed. I'm like, dad. What's the matter with you? If mom knew about this, she'd be mad, you know? And he just laughed. Well, then we're sitting on the train, and the pastor is sitting there with... It's a symbol of friendship. See, we live in a culture where touch has a different meaning. We live in a culture where, where people touch, if people are touching... We think sexually. But in India, there is a way to communicate. And you don't just communicate verbally. You also communicate physically. And when men hold hands, it is not a sexual thing. It is a friendship thing. You often see Indians nod their heads like this. It's a sign of acceptance and friendship. And so I came away from that, and my life has been completely changed from that first trip to India. The way I view God, the way I view people, the way I view culture has totally changed. But our culture has molded us to think of something when often it is not even there. And it made me think, I wonder if our culture is molding us to think of Jesus a little off center. I wonder if our culture has molded us so our view of Jesus and Christianity is not exactly how God intended us to view Christianity. And so I want to ask you a question today. And this is a tough question to answer. But the question is this. Are you being molded by the truth of Jesus or by the philosophies of modern American culture? And if I lived in India, I'd ask the same question, but are you being molded by the philosophies of modern Indian culture? Or if I was in the UK, I would ask the question, are you being molded by the philosophies of modern British culture? But are you being molded by the truth of Jesus or the philosophies of the culture that we live in? There was... A church in the Bible who suffered the same sort of scenario. It was the church at Rome. And the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Rome. And this is what he wrote to them in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him, Paul said. Then he said this, and this is getting to the nitty-gritty, and this is what we're going to focus on throughout this series. Paul said this, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Or other translations say, let God transform you by the renewing of your mind. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So Paul had run into this problem that the culture was fighting against the way of Jesus. 
The culture that the Romans lived in was fighting away against the, what Jesus had intended for their lives. See, the Romans were very influenced by Greek culture. And the Greek culture had ingrained themselves, or the Greek philosophies have ingrained themselves in the culture of what this church was in at the time. It was a culture of many gods. They didn't believe in one god, they believed in many gods. It was a culture where the intellect of man was given the highest honor. The more intellectual you are, the more honorable you are. But one of the main philosophies of the day was to base all decisions on reason and logic. There was little room for emotion or to be able to dream for tomorrow. It was all on reason and logic. There was not room for anything else. And people in this culture live for the day. They did not live for tomorrow, they live for the day. Like carpe diem, right? Seize the day. They live for the day. And this was the way that they lived in the present reality. Now, the early Christians, when they were formed and the church was formed and Christianity started growing, there was a term that they would use, and it was a term called this, the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. And what the early Christians would do, instead of looking at the present reality, they would look ahead to a future age. Now, if you read the Bible, you talk, you see a lot of what Jesus talks about. Jesus says, for I'm coming again. When I return, Jesus said. And this was the base of the thinking of the early church. That they started to look ahead. And this was contrary to the Greek culture at the time. Don't think ahead, the Greeks thought. Think in present reality. But the Christians said, by the renewing of my mind, I'm not going to think like the Greeks. I'm going to think like Jesus. And think about what is ahead. To obviously live in today, but have our mind on the day that Jesus returns. Have our mind on a heavenward kind of calling. A heavenward dream. The day that Christ would return. And so Paul is telling the Romans here, don't let the customs and the behaviors and the philosophies of this current culture you live in mold you. You need to think differently. You need to let God's truth mold you by the renewing of your mind. And then he says this, and the results are amazing. Because when you do that, Paul says, then you will know God's will for your life. And Paul says, and God's will for your life is this. It is good, it is pleasing, and it is a perfect fit for you. Now, let me ask you today, how many of you want to know God's will for your life? Right? The majority of people, even if you're an atheist, you're like, well, if there's a God, I would love to know God's will for my life. We want to know God's will for my life. And Paul is saying that when we let God renew our mind, not following the behaviors and the customs and the culture we live in, but let the renewal of our mind happen, let us think the Jesus way, then we start to know God's will for our life. And our desire throughout this series is this. I want to help you change the way you think. I want to help you change the way you think. So you start thinking a little bit more the Jesus way, the renewal of your mind. And what we're going to find throughout this series is this, is that as we start thinking the Jesus way, we're going to start to discover, hmm, Maybe my mind has been molded more about the American way. 
than the Jesus way. And we're proud Americans, right? And we love Americans. There were some girls here at the front at the beginning. They were talking about politics and guns. Nothing more American than politics and guns, right? We're proud Americans. But the reality is often we've been molded in the American way contrary to the Jesus way. And so throughout this series, we want to help you start thinking the Jesus way. And this is what you're going to discover. You're going to discover that the way you think is actually upside down to how everybody else thinks. That the Jesus way seems upside down compared to how this culture thinks. But actually what you're going to find is that our culture has it upside down. And you've got it right way up. So we got a picture of a bat. Right, so let's see this picture of a bat. What's the bat doing? The bat is hanging upside down. Now, could you imagine if you went up into your attic and you saw one of these? I mean, it would be pretty scary, right? So bats hang upside down. Nobody hangs upside down. The majority of animals are right side up. But for a bat, it is totally normal to hang upside down. And when the bat gets with all his bat friends, and let's see the next slide, when the bat gets with all his bat friends, what happens? They're all hanging upside down, right? Anyone want to puke right now? You know? They're all hanging upside down. And they think it is normal to hang upside down. They think it's normal to be awake in the night and asleep in the day. They actually think it's normal to be blind because they're bats, because all the other bat friends are doing it, right? But we know that's not true. The majority of animals in this world are right side up, that they actually are awake in the day and sleep at night. We've got another slide for you. So we've got a puppy and a duck. Take a look at this for a moment. Take a deep breath and let that image of those bats just float away. (laughs) Just wanted to give you some therapy this morning from those bats. And so this is what Paul is saying. Don't be like the rest of this culture. Now, there was a guy called Peter. And Peter wrote uh, a a few different books in the Bible. And he wrote wrote mainly to Jewish Christians, people who converted from Judaism. And now they were living in all parts of the world. And Peter wanted to write to them to encourage them in their newfound faith in Jesus. And Peter wrote this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses Four, we're going to start verses 4 to, to, to 8. And this is what it says. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into the spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God, as the scriptures say. And he says this, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust in him recognize the honor God has given him, but those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected, has now become the cornerstone. So think Peter's writing to Jewish people. For Jewish people, the temple of God was the pinnacle of God. It was the place that the the Israelites had built so that God could have a home. It was the place they met with God. It was the place of forgiveness, the place of sacrifice, the place of healing, the place of power, and the place where they would hear from God. And this is what Peter is saying to these new Christians. He's saying, no longer is there a physical building. 
Instead, the stones of that building where, pe- where God meets with his people now are in your heart. You are those stones. And collectively, as a, as a church and as Christians, you together are the temple of God where God meets with you. You don't have to go to a temple that is with bricks and mortar. But now you have God in your heart. And then he says this, but Christ is the cornerstone. Now, any building uh, that they would build one big stone that all the other stones would be in alignment from. They would use it as a guide to build all the other stones. And when, if they got out of alignment, they would check with the cornerstone. And so Peter is saying, Jesus is this cornerstone. As we are living temples, as we are living stones for God in the temple of God, it is Christ who is our cornerstone. We get our alignment from Christ. That's what he is saying. So there's some some background. Then he says this. Then he says, and the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. So there were some builders, some people who rejected Christ. Those who did not want Christ to be the cornerstone, they wanted something else to take their alignment in life from. So that's the background that paints the picture. The, The temple was a holy place. Holy just means to be set apart for God, for the purposes of God. And he is saying this, he's saying that we are the temple of God. Now with that background, let's see what Peter says about the culture that he lives in compared to who we are supposed to be in Jesus Christ. And this is what he says. Verse 8, and he is the stone that makes people stumble. The rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. So from that, I want to pick out just three things very quickly about what I see to help us to live the Jesus way and not what our culture says, which is often the American way. The first thing I see is this. Those who do not accept Jesus will stumble. Those who do not accept Jesus will stumble. Let's think about that for a moment. Those who do not accept Jesus will stumble. Whatever you are building, whether you are building a physical building, whether you're building a computer, whether you're building a kid's playset, whether you are building a chair, or you're building a business or an organization. This is one thing I can guarantee. You do not want to use materials that you know are going to fail. If you knew one of your materials is going to fail, you would not use it, unless you're playing a practical joke on a friend and it's a chair right? You are not going to use it. So then, 
Why do so many people who profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior allow the philosophies of this culture to mold them, which is not the Jesus way? Think about car manufacturers for a moment. My car is a 2006 Hyundai Tucson. It's seen better days. But I got a notice in the mail the other day that there's a recall on one of the parts. It's 2006. Just let it be, right? But those car companies, they are so adamant that they do not want lawsuits. So anything that they know that potentially may fail, they say, bring it back. We're going to switch it out. And as Christians, we have to be very careful that we are not allowing things that we know are going to fail to mold us. And the reality is this. We live in a culture that is what we call post-Christian. And what we mean by post-Christian is the Christian Judeo values of years ago when everybody lived by these values that were very biblical. They are not the values of our culture anymore. You have to switch on the TV, go on social media, speak to some young people in school, and you'll understand that we live in what they call a post-Christian culture. The philosophies of our culture are not the Jesus way, for they have rejected Jesus. And the Bible says those who reject Jesus will stumble and fall. We are building our lives with stones that will stumble when we let our culture direct us. For sadly, our culture does not accept Jesus. Peter also says this. Not just that the people who do not accept Jesus will stumble. He also says this. You who are Christians, you are different. You are different. Why are you different? Look at your index cards for a moment that you wrote on at the beginning. What makes you unique? What makes you unique? Each of you, you've got something that makes you unique. But let me tell you, collectively as Christians, we are unique. We are different. Peter shows us four ways that you are different. First, he says this, you are chosen. You are chosen. Now, we're not going to talk about philosophies and theology of Arminianism and Calvinism, because that's not what Peter is talking about here. What Peter is basically saying that because you have Jesus in your heart, then God has chosen you for great things. God has given you great things. This is what it means. It means you get to play in the game. You get to make a difference. Everybody else who rejected Jesus, they're just on the sidelines. They're just looking on. They make no difference whatsoever to the game, but you are in the game, for you are chosen. And he says this, you are royal priests. Anyone watch the royal wedding yesterday? Yeah, no, no. What's the matter with you people? Come on. The royal wedding. Let me tell you, Meghan Markle, if she had married some average American dude, she would have not got that wedding. The only reason she got a wedding where like a billion people watched it and there were people lying in the streets and she got everything she ever wanted was because she married royalty. She married a prince. What is the deal about a prince? It's just another guy, right? Royalty have privilege. Royalty are special. And this is what Peter says. You as Christians, you're like royalty. You have the privileges of heaven. You are different. You're not like some average Joe who's just getting married down the street. you got a royal wedding that you got to go to. You are chosen. You are royal. Then he says this, you are holy. You should be different because you are different. If you're not different, then there's something wrong. 
then he says this, you are owned by God. On the back of your shirt, there may be something that says 100% cotton or, you know, 60% polyester, 48, 40% cotton or, you know, or the rich people amongst us, 100% silk, right? But on the label of your heart, this is what it says, 100% God. 100% God. Made in heaven, the brand child of God. You are owned by God. You are God's very own special treasure. The Bible says that you are heirs to the throne of God, joint heirs with Christ. Your life is not about living as everyone else does, for you are renewed. You have a renewed mind. The bat no longer is in the dark. The bat has seen the light and realized I don't have to have the blood rush into my head all the time and hang upside down. I can live like the rest of everybody. Whoa, I'm not dizzy all the time. You know, that's what the bat has suddenly realized. And then finally, Live the Jesus way, not the American way. Live the Jesus way, not the American way. Don't let the philosophies and the customs and the behaviors of this world lead your soul away from Jesus. Now, Peter doesn't actually say the American way. But what Peter is saying, he's saying, Don't let the things in your culture wage war against your soul. He says, you are temporary residents, foreigners in this land. Peter instructs us to live in a way that our neighbors and friends see Jesus shining through. Yes, we live in this culture and there are great things about our culture, but we are called to be salt and light to this culture, not to let the culture mold us away from Jesus. They can fault your beliefs. They can fault the things that you do, but they cannot deny the good and the love that you bring to the world. Peter is saying this, live honorable lives, lives where people cannot fault your character or integrity. This is the Jesus way. And over the next several weeks, we're going to be taking a little closer peek at the Jesus way. There will be times where there may be a little mournful we may be a little mournful for things that we may have to put down there are times where we may lament very churchy word lament what it means is being agony and sorrowful for what has happened and what is going on but we're going to learn the Jesus way we're going to find Joy in the fact like that, unlike the Greeks, you can think a little further ahead. That you're temporary residents in this world, but you are really citizens of heaven. And what you're going through your lives today is just temporary. We can think with renewed minds to a future age where Jesus is not just Lord of our lives, but Jesus is King over all. So look at what is on your mind today. On your index card, you wrote, what is on your mind today? And instead of thinking about what is on your mind, let's start thinking about what is on Jesus' mind. Because that is how we think in the Jesus way. 
Start thinking a little different. Instead of thinking of everyone else, it's like, oh, I've got bills to pay, or I've got this to do at work tomorrow, or, oh, I've got this person coming over for dinner tonight. I really hope I can cancel because I don't like them, you know, or I've got to take my kids to a gazillion soccer games today and it's going to be wet and, and my grass is like three feet tall and I've got to cut the grass. Instead of thinking like that, this is what we should be thinking. We are chosen. We are royal. We are holy. We are owned by God. Let's think we are in the light. Let's think in honorable ways. Let's think Jesus. Let's bow our heads in prayer. So as we bow our heads today, we're going to transition and we're going to have a time of worship in just a moment. But before we do that, I want us to start to think about how we are thinking. What is on your mind today? What are the philosophies of the culture that we live in that are trying to shape you? Maybe you've never thought about yourself as someone who is chosen, royal, holy, and owned by God. Well, today you can start thinking on those ways because that's who you are. You are different. Maybe you've put your trust in you know things that, have stu- that will stumble and will fall. Today is a day you can start putting your trust in Jesus. And so I'm going to pray, and then after I pray, we're going to enter into a time of worship. And during this worship time, we're going to partake in communion together. And we're not going to have a designated special time when we all take communion together, but there are three stations. There's one here at the front. There's two at the back on either side. And if you want to just take, during the worship set, whenever you feel like it's an appropriate moment for you to get up out of your seat and go over to one of the stations and just grab some of the bread off the tray and then just dip it in the cup. As we think on Jesus, He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the darling of heaven. He is the Savior. He is the Lord. He is King. And so as we enter into this worship set today, let us put our minds firmly on Jesus. Not following the customs and the behaviors of this world, but letting our mind be transformed by the way that we think, by the renewing of our minds. So Father God, today we thank you God, that we don't have to follow the customs of this world. We thank you, Lord, today that there is life in Jesus. And God, that your way is a better way. And your way is a way where we will start to find out God's will for our lives, which is perfect and pleasing and good. So, Father, today we pray as we worship you, God, that as we lift you up in this place today, that we will start to identify that you are Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship Him today.